Well, good morning, Heartland, and Happy New Year. This morning, I'm going to be talking about this right here, the Bible. Not necessarily a specific verse in the Bible, but just the Bible in general. And our first scripture reading comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, which says, And we also thank God continually, because when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it not as word of men, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. When is the last time you've made a new friend? When's the last time you got to know somebody new? Getting to know somebody new can be an exhilarating experience. Maybe it's somebody who you're dating. And each meeting is just an exhilarating experience. Maybe it's a new coworker or a kid at school. Whatever the, whatever the case, getting to know somebody new is both a gift and a quest. It is a gift because the person you are getting to know must open herself up to you graciously and willfully. They can either not open themselves up to you or graciously open themselves up to you. It's a gift. Getting to know somebody is also a quest because you can't get to know somebody in just one or two encounters. It takes a lot of time and communication. I've heard that married couples, after being married many years, say that they still learn new things about their spouse. I mean, I guess all those things that you try to hide eventually will come out, you know? You can get to know somebody face-to-face, over the telephone or text message. You can even get to know somebody by listening to their music, reading their literature, viewing their art. All of these types of things are communication. Getting to know someone is impossible without some type of communication. There's no magic pill that you swallow and you instantly know everything there is about somebody. It doesn't work that way. Although, that'd be pretty cool and convenient and time-saving. It takes a lot of time, a lot of communication, getting to know somebody. Well, all these things that are true in our human relationships are also true of our relationship with God. Getting to know God is a gift. God has graciously opened himself up to us. He has revealed himself to us. It was his initiative. He took action and revealed himself to us. Which is different than other religions. In most Eastern religions, you, you get to know God really only a few spiritual geniuses after years of meditation and ascetic living and careful reflection, they might get to know God. Not so in Christianity. The Christian faith, on the other hand, is founded on the testimony of prophets and apostles throughout history who never considered themselves to be geniuses or even original, but just simply passing on their witness to the gracious revelation of God. God took the initiative and revealed himself to us. It's a gift. 
And getting to know God is also a quest because you can't snap your fingers and know everything about God instantly. You have to get to know Him over time. And throughout your life as a Christian, you learn new things about God. He might even surprise you sometime. So God has graciously revealed Himself through creation. We can look out onto the world and we can learn a lot about God just by observing the creation. He's revealed himself through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that we Christians have. We learn a lot about God through the Spirit that he gives. And even through events in history, especially in the history of Israel and the church, we learn a lot about God through events of history. And especially in the man Jesus Christ, we learn a lot about God who was fully divine Holy Hugh. John chapter 1, verse 18 says, No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only Jesus, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. Jesus has made God known. So the main events of divine revelation, the things like Jesus' life when he was on earth, and the Old Testament prophets when they spoke words of the Lord, Those things happened a long time ago. 2,000 years plus. We have no memory of them. So all we have is the written testimony of those apostles and prophets about God and about Jesus. Right here. All we have is some old book to read. I mean... It sounds quite boring, right? I mean, a lot of people think reading is a drag. Let's go outside and play. Let's uh, play a video game. Let's watch TV. Let's watch a movie. I'm not going to read. Are you kidding me? Reading? Hey, let's face it. Reading can be a drag sometimes. Well, God, who used otherwise boring people like Moses, David, Mary... Paul, to change the world, also uses otherwise boring books to change the world. And that's because whenever the Holy Spirit is involved, whenever the Holy Spirit is involved, boring becomes inspirational. Boring becomes inspirational. A book becomes the Word of God. So Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 and 13 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Does that sound like some old boring book to you guys? Same God that was able to take a young boy tending the sheep and move him from slaying a giant named Goliath, the same God who was able to take a nervous, stuttering shepherd and fashion him into the deliverer of Israel, that same God takes a boring book, breathes into it, and makes it alive. Isn't that incredible? That's how the Apostle Paul describes Scripture as God-breathed. 
God breathed. Now, whenever we encounter the word God breathed in the Bible, it means created, brought to life by the Holy Spirit. Created and brought to life by the Holy Spirit. So it's pretty cool that something that's written in book form can be alive, have a heartbeat, so to speak. So we call this written testimony the Holy Bible. And the process by which it was written, the inspiration of the scriptures. And it's been inspiring Christians now for almost 2,000 years. In 2 Timothy, we find the purpose of the Holy Bible. What is the purpose of the Bible, of the Scriptures? It's not written simply for our enjoyment, like other books. It's not simply written to learn new facts, like some books. It goes deeper than that. 2 Timothy 3, 15-17 says, and this is Paul writing to Timothy, And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed, there's that word, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We find that there are two purposes of Scripture here in 2 Timothy. And the first one is critical. It says that the scriptures are able to make us wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So first of all, the scriptures are here for us to, to lead us the way to salvation, pointing us to faith in Jesus Christ. And Paul was actually um, referring to the Old Testament scriptures in this verse. We didn't have the New Testament yet at the time of this writing. He was saying that the Old Testament scriptures point towards faith in Christ Jesus. And then the New Testament was added a little bit later on in the in the in history. And of course it was added to the Bible because of its main character. Main character of the New Testament is Jesus. So of course it points us towards faith in Jesus. The second purpose we find here in 2 Timothy is functional in nature. Scripture spurs us on towards good works. So, Scripture's purpose is twofold. It points us towards salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. That's one. And it spurs us on to do good works. Now, there are many things we can learn by reading scriptures. But if we only learn two things, that'd be all right with me. As long as we learn salvation comes through faith in Jesus Christ, and we are here on earth to do good work. Those two things are what this book is all about. That's what is at the heart of this book. Saved through Christ Jesus, and we're here to do good works. The Bible is not written to reveal secret insights about modern science or weight loss or financial management. A lot of people read the Bible for those things. 
But it's simply to point us towards salvation in Christ Jesus and to spur us on to do good work. And what can you say other than that the Bible is sufficiently sufficient for those two purposes? Well, throughout history, there's been various arguments about the inspiration of the Scriptures and and what that means and how we got this Bible. Many times these arguments come between the Christian world and the non-Christian world. And Christians will try to tell non-Christians that uh, the Bible is the inerrant, infallible Word of God. There are no mistakes, no inconsistencies, no incongruities, no contradictions. Well, I'm not going to argue that myself. That very well may be true, but as an evangelism tool to non-Christian, well, it stinks, to be quite frank with you. It's not a very good method. Of course, someone who's a non-Christian is going to have their doubts. In essence... All it does is it fabricates an issue, especially if it's done in an unloving fashion and politically motivated. And let me, let me just explain what I mean by politically motivated. Um, what it does is it fabricates an issue on which there are two competing sides. Okay? And that is a recipe for disaster whose only fruit is hostility and division. If there's nothing else we learned in 2016, which was an election year, we should learn that. Okay? When there's two competing sides and an issue is created, its only fruit is hostility and division. If we are serious about reaching the lost and we are sincere about saving the souls of others, we need to let Scripture speak for itself. Because if it is... God breathed like we believe, if it is inspired by the Holy Spirit, then we don't need to speak for it. The Scriptures will speak for themselves. You just have to read them. I think if you watch this video, uh, which is a testimony of a woman from Texas, if you watch this video, you'll understand what I mean about the meaning behind the real inspiration of Scripture. Check out this video. My name is Rebecca DePaul, and I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and I have experienced great peace and forgiveness despite great tragedy. My family and I have been here at the branch for 12 years. I didn't grow up believing in Jesus, knowing who Jesus was or God. We didn't go to church or anything. We were a poor single mom. My dad was living in Houston. They were divorced. So, uh, My junior and senior year, we lived in Granbury, Texas. I didn't live at home. I was 18, and so I lived down the street with my grandmother. And my mother lived with my two younger siblings alone. Um, it happened on... Um, April 30th, 1997, and it was 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning. Uh, my mom was asleep and didn't hear a thing. 
and uh, my sister was uh, kidnapped along with my baby brother by my mom's ex and he murdered my sister. Um, she was five days from turning 12. And he left my baby brother, who was nine at the time, uh, for death, but he survived. And my mother uh, was convicted with two accounts of injury to a child by omission. I think they just kind of felt like she should have heard something. I believe my mother was wrongfully convicted, but she did wind up serving uh, seven years in prison. So during this, I'm a senior in high school, and I'm just trying to get through high school. Um, and my mother was arrested on the day of my graduation. So my mother did not attend my graduation. I really felt um, all alone, basically. I had great friends, but you know, here I am on my graduation day, and my mother is in jail, and my sister is just murdered, and my baby brother's in the hospital, and I felt alone. All of a sudden, I felt like there was nothing. It was dark. Um, for me, it was really dark, really lonely. Most days, I really would rather just drive off a bridge or not wake up or anything but have to figure out what my future was or who I was. Everything was gone. Like, everything was gone for me. During this time, I got married twice and lived with a guy um, in the middle of that as a fiancé. I was just lost. Like, I think what I was trying to do is get this family because I no longer had this family. All three of those relationships um, didn't survive because I wasn't in love with them. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just trying to cope with my loss, basically. So when I was 25, I had this really great friend who was an older woman, and she w didn't beat me over the head with her Bible. She was just kind and open, and she was peaceful. And she would tell me, you need to read the Bible. And so finally, when I was 25, I bought myself this little orange metal Bible. I still have it. It's like a little teenage Bible. It's an NIV, so it was easy for me to understand. It would like hit me in the head like it would go straight to into my heart because I could understand it. And I read it. And I read it from Genesis to Revelation. While I was working, um, I was just a receptionist, so all I had to do was answer the phone. And so I would read the Bible while I was at my desk and I literally would be crying just crying crying um, from reading this book and um, answering the phone for this place while I'm crying <laughs> after reading the Bible that's really that's really how it started I was like how can someone love me this much and then when I get to the story of Jesus um, Really, I'd never really heard the story of Jesus. And so when I heard the story of Jesus, I really was like, what? seriously? Like, how can you be loved this much that you're going to come and die for me, this person who I'm completely unworthy, but you're going to come and you're going to die for me so that I can be completely washed new. Like, as I'm reading this all in for the first time, I felt free. And I felt peaceful about all of the decisions I'd made because I made so many bad, you know, choices. And I felt forgiveness for the man who murdered, you know, my sister. Um, I felt forgiveness for the people who essentially, you know, helped send my mom to prison and all this time we had lost. I just had this overwhelming 
sense of peace and forgiveness and total and complete freedom. Like somebody had just taken off something off of me and said, this is not any of this stuff you have to carry. You don't have to carry any of this stuff. It's not for you to carry. All I know is that um, I asked for lots of wisdom and just knowing. And I feel a sense of, like I never feel alone. I don't know how to explain that to anybody. Other than I never feel alone. Uh, my relationships with other believers help grow me. Like I was raised in the branch church. Like I learned so much um, about who to trust. Um, you know how to turn to God because when you first are you know reading this there is uh, you know these shackles that you're free from but you have other people you know other friends who are great examples of you know what that looks like and so now I fill myself up in the Bible it's so easy to open it and there he is and then whatever is stressing me out or whatever is not going my way, um, you know, his words are, are right there. My wonderful husband, Kevin DePaul, he was a dream come true because when I read the Bible, then I knew what to ask God for. Um, and so Kevin was an answer prayer. Um, he was a man who, sh you know, he showed me how to trust God and he showed me what a God-fearing man looks like. Um, and then my kiddos are like my sister still is here sometimes like when you look at my little girls especially especially my oldest you know um, sometimes it's a lot like um, Sarah is right there and I am always grateful for that like if you I hope one word somebody can always if they think about me what they think is grateful like seriously grateful 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 How about that? That's awesome testimony. <clears throat> That's real. That is very real. In her testimony, this woman used these words or phrases to describe what reading the Bible did for her. Freedom, peace, forgiveness. When I read the Bible, I never feel alone and I know what to pray for. You want to talk about the inspiration of scriptures? This woman is what the inspiration of scripture is all about. And when I think of my hopes and my prayers for Heartland Church of Christ, my prayer is that we are a community of peace, a community of freedom from sin, a community of forgiveness, a community that knows what to pray for and a community that never feels alone. Well, guess what? The same thing that worked for Rebecca DePaul will work for us here at Heartland. And that's being inspired by Scripture. Being inspired by reading the Bible. And that's why in 2017, Heartland Church of Christ is going to read 100,000 chapters of the Bible. 100,000 chapters. The elders, Leo and Jeff and I, have come up with a New Year's resolution for Heartland Church of Christ. We are going to be inspired by Scripture 
And we are going to be committed to reading the Bible on a daily basis. So a couple things for you to know in this endeavor. Our vision is that we're all on the same reading plan. We're all reading the Bible together. And so we have a plan uh, where you read both the Old Testament and the New Testament at the same time. Uh, There are hard copies of this plan back at the Welcome Center. You can also find it on the website underneath the Members tab on our website. And I believe that if we follow this plan, if we commit that we will read 100,000 chapters cumulatively, collectively, as a community of believers. If you follow this plan, you'll have read the entire Bible in the year 2017. Now, this is going to take hard work and sacrifice. Remember, getting to know somebody, getting to know God is not like swallowing a pill and you instantly know somebody. It takes time. It takes communication to get to know somebody. And it's no different with God. So, you know, it's about three to five chapters on average to get through the Bible. And you can read it as a family. I would encourage that to read together as a family. Or you can read individually as long as you're in the Word. And, you know, you don't necessarily have to follow the plan that we've chosen, although we'd like that to happen. If you find your own plan to read, great. You know, read this book. Okay? That's what we want for you. And, in order to track the number of chapters we are reading, uh, it's also going to take some work from you. Somebody in your family is going to have to tally up the number of chapters that your family is reading each week. And if you'll notice, going forward, on our attendance card, you'll notice something a little bit different. Uh, An item that says, how many chapters did your family read this week? So, somebody at the end of the week, on Saturday or Sunday morning, um, you'll need to tally up the number of chapters. So, if you read 20 chapters, your wife reads 20 chapters, and your daughter reads 30 chapters, 20 plus 20 plus 30 is 70, you would write 70, right? Okay? That's, That's easy, right? So we're going to put you to work in two ways. One, read the Bible, read it, and read it some more. And two, keep track of how many chapters your family is reading. And I believe all together we can read 100,000 chapters in the year 2017. And if at the end of 2017 you have completely read the Bible from start to finish, read every chapter we will certainly do something special for you. That's still in the works, but that is reason to celebrate reading the entire Bible in one year. So we will celebrate with you. We'll do something special for you. A wise man once said, the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Another wise man said, most of us won't take the first step of the journey if we're not interested in the destination. But I want you to look with me one year into the future. January 1st, 
2018. Look with me one year into the future. If it helps, close your eyes. Sometimes we see the most clearly when we close our eyes. Imagine an intimate and satisfying knowledge of God. Imagine delighting in God's presence and tasting the inner sweetness of God Himself. Imagine how good it will have felt to have just read the entire Bible in 2017. Can you imagine that? Imagine the peace that it will bring your life. Imagine the freedom it will bring your life and the forgiveness that you'll be able to experience yourself and to forgive others as well. Imagine less loneliness, less guilt, less brokenness, less bitterness in your life. I believe that Scripture will inspire you in this way, just like it did Rebecca DePaul. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you with open hearts, with the attitude that we can be shaped by you and your word, that we are moldable, and that you can shape us into whatever you would like. Father, 2016, for many people, has been a challenging year. It's had its ups and downs. There's been sickness, there's been disease, there's been death. And Father, we ask that you would bring peace and comfort to those situations and those people. For others of us, 2016 has been a great year. Maybe new children, life, new relationships, getting to know somebody new. Father, my prayer for this body of believers in 2018 is that we will be baptized by your word, just completely immersed in scripture, and that you will infect us with peace and forgiveness and freedom, and that we won't be lonely, and that we'll know how to approach your throne and what to pray for. Father, cover us up in your word. We need your help. This is going to take work and sacrifice to make time to read your scripture, your holy Bible, to be inspired. Father, we know that you will do your part. We pray that you would give us the endurance to do our part. Father, we thank you for Jesus, whose sacrifice saves our lives, gives us eternal life, salvation. And we thank you for your word, that we have it readily available, that you have revealed yourself to us through creation, through your spirit, through Jesus, and through your scripture. And we thank you for the salvation that your scripture brings us, and we thank you how it challenges us to think differently and to do good works, to love our neighbor, even to love our enemies. Father, it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.
Jerome, come, come on up. We're going to stand and sing our invitation song. If you have any needs at all, please come forward now as we stand and sing.